Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I'm the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast with Alexis Roussel, who kindly gave up his time to come on and talk about many, many things. This guy is wearing lots of hats in the Bitcoin space and doing some really very important work around regulation and privacy, KYC rules, which is so great to, to meet people and to listen to people that are doing work on this. Uh, behind the scenes, such important work that it is going to hold us all in good stead in the future. He shares an incredible story, unbelievable upbringing, and uh, working in the legal field, planning uh, societies. He has very, very unique insights with his uh, past experiences. So sit back and get ready for a journey into his past and finding Bitcoin in the rabbit hole, of course. Really appreciate you coming on, Alexis. Uh, before we kick this off, I've got to make sure to point you all to the new website, once-bitten.com, that has been built and designed by at Jim Reaper. Really appreciate your help, mate. And as always, thank you so much to at Adam Woodhams One, who helps me produce the show and put all of this great content together. Don't forget to go and check out coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten if you're in the UK, go start stacking some sats. And a big thank, as always, to the uh, the boys over at, at 21ism. You're doing amazing work. Can't wait for the launch. And uh, it might have already launched at, at this point, but uh, watching very closely and uh, all the work that you're doing, so badders and the boys over there. So let's go. Enjoy the episode and catch you up. Okay, guys, welcome to this week's show. And joining us today is Alexis Roussel. Alexis, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me here. And uh, we have the the team of questioners behind me. So <laughs> who's going first? Looks like Lauren. Me. And I got three questions. Three? Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to ask, uh, why did you decide to uh, fall in the rabbit hole? Well, what daddy says all the time. So uh, I fall in the rabbit hole before, actually. It was not just just Bitcoin itself, but it's all the crypto space. And um, and since the year, since in 2000, I was looking to be like a free digital human being. So how do you how you do you build how do you build your life uh, being a free digital human being? And so you try out things like open source, Linux, peer to peer file exchanges, and you try to have. A, I don't know to 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 make your life serverless and and free, and uh, and, and there's a lot of things you can build uh, around this. But uh, at one point, uh, you're kind of limited. Back in the years two thousands, is that uh, at one point you need to pay, and uh, and when you when you're when you to, when you want to buy something on online, then you have to go through a credit card or a bank transfer or some intermediaries, and uh, and and so. Uh, I really got into there from the uh, crypto anarchist perspective. So I want to be a free digital being and, and the money was missing. So immediately in 
immediately in 2009, I, I spotted Bitcoin as being a good experiment, experiment, a good way of, of doing things. But then I only touched it uh, in 2013, uh, later on, where when I really decided to move like into business also with Bitcoin. So that, that's, uh, that's my perspective. It's more like a philosophical search about being a free digital human being. Cool. Um, and my third question, because those two were kind of like two. Um, do you drive your kids crazy whenever you talk about Bitcoin? <laughs> I think sometimes, but I, they, they like it also, you know? So um, so I, um, I talk about Bitcoin since they're very small. So they know all the time. So I remember my, my son one, one day, he said, oh, Bitcoin is really cool because it's the money that you can use in every country. You know, and he 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 was like five years old, and he got that, and and I thought that was great. So I think they're very proud, and of course they know that I'm I'm really involved in in the in the community in Switzerland. So uh, because they see me on TV and on in the radio and on shows, or whatever. So okay, but uh, yeah, I do drive them crazy, but at the end they like it because they also have their phone with their own wallet, and they are stacking sats on their wallets every month, and. Uh, and now they have a sticker with Bitcoin on the uh, on their phone, and yeah, I think they 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 really uh, they really like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and we have a lots of stickers over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All over your laptops, huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lauren, for your questions. Do you want to say uh, good night to Alex? Good good night and bye. Good night. Over to question master number two. Okay. So um, you you worked for the uh, UN, is that correct? Yes, I worked for the United Nations. Yes. And what what was it like for work to work for them? Ha! <laughs> huh, it was great. I mean, I, I loved it. I, I worked for two organizations. Uh, the first one was the International Court of Justice that was in Holland. It's like the uh, the highest, the most supreme court in the world, and uh, it was a crazy a crazy place. Um, this is where I learned also the impact of uh, of digitalization. So that was in 2000, 99, 2000. And then I worked for uh, UNITAR. It's a small organization in Geneva, which is a, a training orga- training organization. And uh, and I were I, I traveled all over Africa. That was my region. I had to go through, um, and uh, also working on e-government. And uh, I think. It's a great experience. The people there are great. Um, uh, they are, we, ha- we have all great visions. Uh, sadly, we don't have the tools to, to do whatever um, the people envisioned. Uh, and and the, the UN is failing in a lot of places. But it's not because the people are not good in there. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, it was the, one of the great uh, human experiences. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Happy with that? Yeah. <laughs> any, any further questions? Yeah. Um, how, how long did you work Seven years, seven years, yeah. Cool. And what what made you want to work for them? Um, well, my father was already working for the the European Space Agency, so he was an engineer. Uh, in, he was a space engineer, so that was pretty cool. And it was we were already in a, in an international environment. I, I grew up in Holland in the French school in Holland, and so uh, actually the um, the people community uh, that 
uh, that build up the UN is, is an international community. And I was already part of it when I was a kid. So it felt quite natural, actually, for me to, to, to be there. That was my first step. Cool. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. Thank you for fielding those questions. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that, that gets to talk to the kids and uh, helps them understand a little bit more about Bitcoin and, and why we're all here and how we all got here. Uh, so there's a few things there that I just kind of jotted down. Crypto anarchist, Supreme Court, <laughs> uh, European Space Agency. I mean, these, this is all kind of crazy stuff. And all of this somehow funneled into the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole. So let's start with when you were when you were growing up, because I think you, when we spoke before, you had a very very early exposure to computers and yeah. what computers and the internet was going to become, which I think has gone a long way in shaping your vision. Could you just tell the listeners a little yeah. bit about that? So, so, um, so my father was engineer, and uh, he wanted always to have the latest stuff, but the latest stuff that mattered. So he was he was trying to find the tech that which really mattered. So um, he he was on computers in some time because he was in in those research um, networks, and um, and so uh, we had our first computer in eighty one. So uh, eighty one, I was four years old. So that's very early, um, and and we we learned uh, a little bit of programming very very early. So I never become a big big programmer. I'm a script kitty. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm even a lawyer. I'm a lawyer, you know. So. I didn't go into the, the, the technical part, but I, I, I became a user and, um, and, and he pushed me uh, to, uh, to, to think about the implication uh, of uh, how, how technology is shaping society because um, his job was interesting because his job was to, to create some crazy projects in space. So you like uh, building up a huge uh, telescope, but when I mean huge, like several kilometers long telescope in the space, or building a, a lunar a lunar base, and uh, and then from there they were trying to pinpoint which are the parts that they could do and they could not do, and then they were creating like real projects with those small parts, and um, and so he so really like the, the the fact of like shooting very far away to uh, to enhance the society uh, with science that that was really what where I was uh, fed in and and. Um, uh, and that really that, that really opened my eyes. Meaning that when I when I, we first came on on the internet in '92, basically uh, I went to his uh, office. He showed me internet, and he told me is something which is still uh, marks me is still is important for me today. He said, you know, you see, this is the web, the browser, you know, and it's called Mosaic, and and soon there will be pictures, and you can click, you know. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's great, you know, that's the. Uh, oh, window open to the world and um and then we had internet at home very early and i was on these channels which called i was french speaking mostly so i was i was going on to these channels with which with canadians it was called wbs.net at, at that time i mean it was great and and then i tried to uh to start um using uh, creating scripts or i mean websites or things like this and when i went to university i decided to do uh, law um it was for, for him. It was really important. You had to have a computer. So I started my my university in '95 with a computer connected to the internet. And in France, in the whole university, we were two out of thousands of people with uh, with this setup. Um, and uh, and so obviously that 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 opened up your mind in a totally way because you go into a university which is so old style. 
thinking about law, about how uh, the society is constructed based on these law, and you're already on the internet and with new laws and new systems, and uh, and you're like, okay, they're like completely in denial. And actually, they were not in denial. At that time, they didn't know because they didn't have internet. And with time, uh, yeah, then, then then you start thinking about oh, what, the, what the impact is going to happen of all this when, when it hits the public. And uh, so I was not surprised when we start to see phones and then everyone had a phone and everyone had internet. And now we see all the, the problems that uh, are created by this. Uh, or the, the, the good thing and the, what is what the problems are created. Some of them we didn't foresee, but what we could foresee, what I foresaw for sure, is that the impact would be huge. And uh, and this was always underestimated by people. Um, they always said, oh, no, but it's just a tech and it, it won't have much impact. But in reality, the impact we see today, that it completely changed our, the way we, we are driving our societies. Wow, so much there, like organizing societies and realizing at a very early age that societies are going to have to be reorganized for, for the digital age. Yeah, so it's really like like looking for uh, because w- when you study law, you study you study the rules which have been made um, based on uh, the social interactions and the problems arising from social interactions between people in the society because laws they exist because uh, you cannot natural law is not covering everything. You no, know? sometimes you have uh, weak and uh, strong people and. Um, so you need to, to, if you want to live in a more equal world, you create some laws which corrects those uh, frictions. And, and so basically you can understand uh, those, uh, by looking at the law, you understand uh, how, the, by looking how the law was built, you, you understand how those frictions are, you know? And, uh, and when you see that those frictions are being changed by digitalization, because by using a computer, the frictions are not the same. Uh, well, you understand that these laws should adapt and not should not just like try to add a layer of uh, trying to rule what is happening in the digital space. You can actually rethink the whole law from the start. And um, and this is what is actually failing right now. Right now, we have been patching our law system, uh, trying to... Um, to, to, to cope with those uh, those those changes uh, and in reality we need to rethink completely and uh, maybe democracy is not the, the thing that might be working in a perfect uh, digital society so uh, maybe maybe we have other models and uh, so we need to rethink uh, from uh, the from from the base uh, from the interactions of the people uh, where they happen and now they are they are happening mostly in the digital space uh, so 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 there's a lot of think uh, there's a lot of uh, thinking and and trying to build actually an utopia um, uh, because utopias are the, the the models that you're trying to uh, to achieve and and to uh, they they give you some kind of guidelines of of what could be a perfect uh, digital society and bitcoin is part of of one of those utopias of course that's it's uh, good and i think it's a good one but it, it gives <laughs> it, it gives and we can talk a bit later because it when, when you say that Bitcoin itself is a part of a utopia, utopia, then you can see that it brings along a lot of things. It brings peer-to-peer network, it brings consensus, it brings communities, it brings open source. All these things uh, build up these uh, these uh, utopias. Uh, and uh, and yeah, and I was fascinated by, by all of this because uh, there was uh, there is a there is a bunch of people still, even though. They're not all Bitcoin fans, but there's a bunch of people who actually think that this uh, 
these this trend is a, is a good trend going to the open source and uh, consensus mechanism and uh, and 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 a free society online where which is respectful of the human being. Yeah, again, Alex is so much to go, <laughs> so much to go with. Uh, I want to ask though, and if it's um, if it's not too personal, is is your father still with us? Is he still around? No, Sally, he left um, nine months ago. It was pretty recent. Yeah. Oh, very, very sorry to hear that. And, and the reason I wanted to ask would, what was his take on Bitcoin? You being so deep in the rabbit hole and him <laughs> you know, seeing his take your... on Bitcoin. So, so uh, uh, he he was um, he was really surprised uh, because um, so he know about Bitcoin since 2013, of course, because then I launched. I, I said to him, "Well, I'm going to uh, make my own company," and uh, with some co-founders and. Uh, and 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 we're going to work on Bitcoin. He was like, "What the fuck is Bitcoin?" And um, <clears throat> but he's an engineer, so so he's not afraid of something which is new, you know. And so he started digging into it, and uh, and actually he uh, he supported me. He invested in my company, and uh, I mean a small amount, but he did. And uh, and he started bought and he bought some bitcoins just for first to see how it works, and then. And then he actually uh, uh, he actually bought bitcoins for all his grandchildren. So um, I mean that's um, it was not it's not a huge amount, but all his grandchildren. So even my brother, who at the beginning didn't care about bitcoin, all the children grandchildren have some bitcoins that, uh, from him now. Uh, that's and I think that's legacy. and I think I think for kids that's the greatest legacy that you can have right now in terms of financial. Uh, education from 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 your, your grandparents i'm mean, getting this from a, a 76 years old guy uh who was your grandfather and and you got and and those kids will be able to say yeah i got some bitcoins from that time i mean that's crazy yeah. that's so heartwarming that that's really amazing mm-hmm. thanks for sharing and um that, that that's brilliant so let's get on to the company that you founded then because i'm yeah. not so sure uh, many people will know uh, that you're part of that and the 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 significance of this company. So, uh, so the first company uh, we created was Bitty. Um, Bitty is a, is a broker, a Bitcoin broker. I mean, we're not a huge Bitcoin broker, but we're we're a historical Bitcoin Bitcoin broker. Uh, we we were created in um, uh, really in the end of 2013, and, and it started kicking off in 2014. Uh, we put an ATM, we put an ATM in Geneva. Into, in February 2014, and um, uh, and then we we got the license. Uh, I was the I was the first um, op, I mean operating company to to get a license in June 2014, and uh, I was able to go through the reg to the regulator, be very open. So I didn't we didn't hide. I had a discussion. I was called scammer. I was uh, it was pretty interesting uh, moment because my the the. Yeah, just for the small story, is that the, the, the regulatory system in Switzerland is is um, self-regulatory based. So you have FINMA on the top, and then you have like what we call self-regulatory organization, uh, which are co- uh, um, which are associations. And uh, if you want to become a money transmitter or a money exchanger, which what was the case in this case to be a broker, you need to go. Not to FINMA, but to one of those um, self-regulatory organizations. And, and by chance, I knew the director of one of those organizations, and I told him, 
a couple of uh, months before I said, hey, I'm going to apply to your um, to your organization as a, as a company to do Bitcoin. And, um, and and that was really important because he started talking to this uh, internally saying, oh, uh, you know, uh, I got this person and he's really serious and uh, he's going to do Bitcoin. Oh, and so people went a bit crazy. They they said, no, that's a scam and everything. And so he invited me to one of the, the, their meetings, like open meetings. And he said to me, yeah, go and talk to this guy. Uh, he's part of the board member of the association. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll go. And then the guy immediately said, no, Mr. Roussel, yeah, uh, this is a scam. Uh, it's a Sponzi scheme. I mean, all the... All the attributes of Bitcoin at that time, you know, like uh, drugs, uh, porn, pedo, whatever, all of it. And I was trying, like, to for two minutes to try to convince him by saying, "Well, no, it's just a just a means of payment. It's organized different way, whatever." I tried to explain to it, and he said, "No." Um, the problem is that then, then my then my our file uh, went uh, through the through the association, and the, the file was perfect. There was no flaw in the file. We were doing we were describing what we wanted to do to do money exchange. That was a normal business that they were used to, except we were using Bitcoin and and and. And we were trying to apply AML, KYC, all the normal rules that they're used to. They were describing, we were, we were trying to apply them. So it, it was kind of blocked. And and, uh, and at one point I said, but what is blocking now? Is it because something is wrong in the document? And, uh, and no, it was just because Bitcoin was a bit hard to understand. And I say, well, uh, I, there, there's, then there, is the, there was this uh, federal report in 2014 that came out from the federal council and that were mentioning uh, Bitcoin. And and they were saying, well, Bitcoin is just another na- another asset. And from that point, they, they had no more argument to keep back the, um, to keep back the, the, the this file. And so uh, the next day I, I, they called me and said, it's fine, it's okay. And, um, and, and what, was, what is interesting is that this guy who called me a scammer, a Ponzi maker, whatever, uh, become, became my supervisor for AML and KYC. And uh, so for a couple of years, we have to follow. And actually, then the, when there was some like, uh, because it's not a, uh, it's always, there's always some hard times with FINMA and everything. And he became a kind of defendant, you know, he said, uh, we were trying to uh, to invent new ways of, uh, of, of doing uh, crypto things. And he says, and we, at one point, one point, we wanted to use a paper wallet. And he, and he looked at me and said, why do you want to use a paper wallet? You have to be full digital. You're doing Bitcoin, so it's full digital. So it was funny because they they changed they changed their mind like this. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting moment. So that that was the the the, the initial the creation of the company. Uh, we we met with uh, with uh, with uh, Jean. Uh, Jean now is is, uh, is he's I mean everyone in Neuchâtel is doing a different type of project now. But basically Jean Boxler is my my first partner at that time that we met in 2013. And, uh, and and he was like from the real estate. He he had no connection with Bitcoin. He was from the real estate, and he just saw Bitcoin and he thought it was something like uh, crazy, and he wanted to understand. So he he looked for me to because he knew I was someone who knew about the digital society, let's say. And so when I met him, and uh, he asked me, okay, what is it about Bitcoin? What is the importance of Bitcoin? And I was explaining him to him how important Bitcoin was. And and actually, I realized how Bitcoin import, how important Bitcoin was when I explained it to him. That was in 2013. So before then, I was always using Bitcoin as an example. I was always talking about Bitcoin, but I was never going into Bitcoin. And, and, and I had to explain to him 
and he became my partner and we created this company. And this is when I really realized that Bitcoin was important. And so we, 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 we thought together that Bitcoin was a cornerstone, was a, was a building stone, and that on top of Bitcoin, there was going to be a new society uh, and, and a new economy that's going to be built. And, uh, and so if, if being a broker in 2013 was the right, was the right thing to do, because it was, it was already too difficult to mine. So it was the right moment to, to provide basically uh, buying and selling for people to be able to do stuff. Uh, and uh, doing stuff at that time was uh, either holding, either entering the, the, in the crypto world and start to buy other assets is still the case today. But uh, but we see some 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 other cases and uh, and we really push for some real cases. So so the objective we had was to be like a non non custodial uh, approach. So where we really go close to the, the spirit of Bitcoin. So you have your Bitcoins, you want to interact with me as a broker, I give you a safe passage to Swiss franc or vice versa. But basically, um, you just give me your Bitcoins for the transactions that you want to do. That's it, you know, you're keeping your Bitcoin. And uh, uh, many brokers couldn't do that or didn't want to do it. You have to have an account or whatever. You know? So so we, we kept it this. It limited us a lot because a lot of people were not, especially in 2013, were not... Um, convinced that um, or were not uh, self-reassured uh, about keeping their own Bitcoins with their own keys. So we limited, the, a lot of people were saying, no, I want you to keep my Bitcoin, like an exchange or whatever. And we said, no, we don't want that. And um, uh, so so we cut up, we, 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 we didn't onboard a lot of clients like this. But uh, but basically, we, we couldn't never screwed any client also at the same time. We never... Uh, uh, we never lost money of a client that was not possible to, to do. So I think that that gave us some kind of respectability. Uh, but also it pushed us into like new types of, uh, of of places and which are very little known, even in Switzerland. Uh, so we help companies paying salaries in crypto. Uh, we help companies um, incorporating in crypto, making capital raise in crypto. Paying their taxes in crypto, um, and um, uh, we have we have cl clients which are companies which are exist only in crypto. They don't have a bank account, and um, they they you can you can look them up in the business registry in Switzerland, and they the capital uh, investment has been done in crypto, and they went through companies like ours, for example. We give a certificate, and then they can go to the business registry, and instead of putting Swiss franc on the table, they put Bitcoin. And then they have an existence, a legal existence, but they own only Bitcoin. And and whenever they need to pay something in the old world, they can go through us, you know. So we, we, we push the money for, for, for that. And vice versa, if they want to bill someone, they can send a bill in Swiss franc to uh, to someone that they will pay with through Bitty and that they will receive it uh, uh, on their account in crypto. Um, so so now this evolved and we, we, we build up an, uh, an API and and this API is is really I think it's uh, it's pretty simple. It does uh, Bitcoin and Ether right now. It's uh, there's not much, uh, uh, but it's more adapted to the uh, the business market. So a company which is um, uh, handling crypto usually will be handling Bitcoin or Ether uh, in Switzerland. These are the two main markets for doing real stuff. I mean for 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 paying invoices or or making money transfer or these kind of things. And uh, obviously now we're going to also have like some, uh, th there will be uh, some stable coins because it is being used. So we adapt to the market, which is really uh, there. Um, but um, but this API is, is working quite well and we're integrating into wallets. 
And now the API also, what, what we try to do, and we did this for the ATM, is that we really try to focus also on the KYC-less part. So we have the, uh, the, the, the higher end for companies or customers who are ready to give the KYC, fine. They can use uh, they can use our services. But we want to, to have an option for the KYC-less. And um, and I, I I do this for multiple reasons. I do this because I think it's uh, it's um, uh, I think we shouldn't have uh, to to do, to to have a trace for every small things that we do. That doesn't it creates friction, which is not good for the economy. You know, uh, a cash a cash system is important for the small thing because when sometimes there there, there are frictions uh, that are that are happening, and and if you have a, a liquid system. Uh, a, easy system with cash it goes um, it goes much better and it creates value actually so uh, and it can save you in many situations I mean we are lucky in a good place but in some countries it doesn't so so we we manage uh, and for now it, it's it's working well because in Switzerland you have a threshold system so below a certain threshold uh, KYC is not mandatory. Um, but you have a, a, another system which is in place. Actually, it's not a it's not a it's not a system where you don't have any rules. It's a different set of rules. It's an exceptional system. Um, it's an exception, and you have a different set of rules. And instead of going into proof of identity, you go into proof of control mode. Um, so uh, so basically, if you go on an ATM in Switzerland and you buy uh, crypto, you put your banknote and you receive a paper wallet with the key. On the paper wallet, because it proves that the person in front of the per- of the ATM has control over the Bitcoin. What they don't want is that they don't want someone just scanning a QR code that they received on uh, online from somewhere anywhere in the world, and they're just sending out money without knowing it. So the person has to be in control. And it's the same with the API. We have an online API, but it has a trick. It has a twist. It, it's that the uh, the person who wants to receive Bitcoin from us has to sign a message with his private key so that he can prove he has the control. And so this allows us to do transactions which are KYC-less for Bitcoin to Euro, Euro to Bitcoin, and also uh, Ether and Swiss franc. Um, and uh, and and then the uh, then the, the hard part will be to keep that in time also because uh, obviously now now we can do it we we get a certain level of agreement with the regulators but hopefully we have to keep that uh, by playing the, the, the right role but uh, but but we're fighting for it and what I notice is that many people in the crypto industry uh, they are not in the understanding enough the uh, AML and the regulation, so that or or they're too afraid of it. Especially if they hire specialists from the domain, they're too afraid of it, and they don't go for those uh, details. And uh, and actually, there is space if you're if you're smart and if you work on the details. There is space for KYC less, but it's pretty hard to set up. But once you do it, then we're pretty. Uh, I think we're we're pretty safe now. And this is something you've been doing a lot of work on, right? And I think this draws on your experience as a lawyer at uh, at the UN. And actually, if I take it, I'd love to draw a story out of you from your UN days when you were when you were seeing like social structure and and how it has to change. Um, is there, is there something from from that experience that you look back on now and think to yourself? It's so obvious they're they're behind the times, and this is where it's got to go. Is there anything in particular? Yeah, that, yeah. There is really yeah. there. There's one moment which is very clear. In 2003 and 2005, there was this big 
a summit on the information of society, the World Summit on Inf Information Society, WSIS. 2003 was in Geneva, and 2005 it was in Tunis. During it was still uh, Ben Ali time, so uh, we went there with um, with the whole UN. I mean, it was like 15,000 people, 20,000 people. I don't remember a huge number of people, and we went into the city, and the city was completely cleaned. Uh, the streets were emptied. Uh, everything was fixed. Uh, internet was open. Uh, I mean, it was really, and there was cops at every. Uh, Every staircase of the hotel, there was a cop uh, there. So it was a really, really weird moment, and um, and we were building this. We had we had this event, which was a UN event, and and the idea of the event was very simple. It was, it was like people still had the people already had the conscious that internet was going to have a big impact. It started to to show up. Okay, so enough for the UN to say we're going to do something about it, or at least build a summit for people for the states to talk about it. Um, it was a power play between some institutions uh, because they wanted to get kind of control. You know, the ITU wanted to have control over the internet, whatever. But at least they they did this and uh, they brought all of the, all these people. And we, as a small, I was in a small unit there, and uh, we had this chance to 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 bring people, to bring scientists, to bring um, teachers and researchers as uh, as panelists and to like to interact with the the the, the people for the, the diplomats and everything and so we brought uh, i remember we we managed uh, it was it was my team who managed to to bring stallman in one of the uh, richard stallman uh so the free software found, uh, foundation um founder to the um, there uh, we had a bunch of good people and um but then uh then you're so in 2005, and then you realize that all these um, diplomats from from all these countries they have this this tool, which is the, the the great tool, which is the internet and the, all the digital tools, and it doesn't matter if you're from a democracy or um, um, or or from a, um, a dictatorship. Basically, at the end, everyone was asking the same question. How do we keep control over all of this? How do how do we surveil all of this? And uh, and we were saying no, that's not the point. The point is like um, better education, uh, open up uh, less border, uh, more mixing, whatever, better new culture, whatever you know, positive things. And and they said no, no, but we need to keep this into control because then then then, then what? And um, and that was that, that was really um, that that was really a moment which strikes me. And and actually, um, that was the start where I where I said, well, okay, uh, in the UN, my 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 way my way of uh, acting is limited because uh, you cannot stake state any uh, political position when you're in the UN. You do you do uh, uh, you have a certain ethics in in the type in the in the work that you do, and um, and basically you have to sustain all the different views, which is fine. That's the job. You know, you you have a you put people in the same room and they have different views, different cultures, whatever. And your job is to make sure that everyone can speak at the same table. Um, and um, but um, but definitely there was uh, I was shocked for the democracies where the, the, from where I come from. I say it doesn't it doesn't work. You know, why the democracy which I know, which were the Swiss one, the Dutch, the the, the Dutch one, the uh, the French one, they were having so negative views on them. And um, and then I tried to uh, understand and uh, and and I figured actually because um, 
because the people who were in those spaces had the same kind of education I had. And I understood that from my education, I had no education about it. I, all the education I had was self-built, was my father who was telling me things outside. Uh, it was being open on other things. It was me uh, going on the internet for hours and hours, trying to wander and, and look at those, those crazy mailing lists and alt news group and whatever uh, at that time. But it was not in the courses of university that was, I was learning anything you know, uh, about the digital world. So, and, and those people, they were at the same course as I was. So obviously they couldn't know. So it has to, it had to go um, into the, into a new field, which is the politics. It had to move into there. Um, and, and politics, not just politics of like being a, a leader in a country, politics is, is, is a construction. And behind politics, you have ideologies and ideologies, they come from people who think about the rules in the society, how the society works, and work on utopia. So that's why at the beginning I was talking about an utopia, uh, because um, when you when you want to influence uh, politics really deeply, not just like simple uh, saying uh, this, there's a problem here and we are putting a demonstration or we are building up a lobby to influence your decision as a decision maker on that topic. No, no. If you really want to influence the core a movement of a political uh, of a, of a of a of a political movement you have to come and touch about the ideology of it and then you realize that all the politics that are working today are basing their own ideology on ideologies which exist since 200 years or are being built since the 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 American revolution the French revolution and they didn't in their core uh, in their core feeling, they or in the, in the core reasoning, they they have no clue about digital. Um, the only one which came a bit with something a bit new is is the, the green because they say, oh, climate change is something different. So since the seventies, we have like the climate change has become some or the environment has become something now which is being part of the the, the general um, ideologies. Every political party has to talk about it. But in the digital, they don't have um, they don't have this. And today, when you see those parties or those leaders talking, they only talk about economy, or like <clears throat> oh yeah, those uh, uh, the digital space is a space where it's a tool that they can use to surveil, or it's a tool that they can use to create jobs, maybe, or to create some kind of wealth. But they don't see it as a uh, fundamental way of reorganizing the society. That's not what they what they see. They see this as a, as a threat of how their own vision of the society is organized. That, that, yeah. So, um, so going out of the UN, I freed myself up from my uh, from my speech, and I went into politics, and I I went into a political party, which is called the Pirate Party, which is a very small pirate party, but has some crypto anarchist um, uh, vibes, let's say, you know, um, and uh, and the idea there was to was to think about those utopia, to build a, a real political program, and uh, uh, about digital space and. And it was hard. It was fucking hard because you're you're in Switzerland. It's a very small party. Uh, the people are very well educated about um, politics in Switzerland, and uh, and also the politics is extremely um, uh, real uh, because we vote for everything. We vote every month. No, every three months we vote for at least three to five, sometimes ten different objects. Um, and we and it's complicated. It's about taxes. It's about social welfare. It's about 
army. We just uh, uh, we just voted on buying new airplanes for the army. I mean, how crazy it goes into details, you know. And um, and then suddenly I was I was in the street. I remember I was I was you know holding my flyers of the Pirate Party in Geneva, and I was in the street and I would say, yeah, um, free digital society. Um, uh, copyright is bad. I mean, there, there's a bunch of things that we that we that we, that we do. Okay, at the Pirate Party, and uh, but basically it's a uh, like a free digital society. That's what we are fighting for. And um, and uh, someone came to see me and say, well, Mr. Roussel, it's very interesting. I, you're right. That That's all the future. You know? That's the future. It's super important. But what should I vote for the bridge? And I said, what bridge? Yeah, the, the city wants to build a bridge, you know, and we're going to vote for it. So what is your opinion on the bridge? And I said, well, um, uh, <laughs> Okay, so I was like speechless and I went home and said, okay, what should be the position of a party which is, um, which is working on the new digital society about a bridge, a fucking bridge, you know? And, uh, and this is where you start, I mean, with the help of friends and everything, we started working and say, okay, let's go, let's go level low and, and below and, and, and work on how we think the whole society is structured, but also for infrastructure, for like real life infrastructure. Infrastructure, and then and then when we and then we discover things, and we discovered that 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 actually the peer to peer networks and the consensus mechanism that you find on peer to peer networks or the protocol which which are running there uh, are good examples that can be reused for electric systems and uh, and, uh, and and road infrastructure. Why not? Why not? You know. So for example, for electric systems, we said I think it's a good now uh, obvious. Thing to say that we should have two-way system. People should be able to use electricity from the from the grid and also put electricity in the grid and sell it if they want. You know, like from there. And and this is not a a, a model which which is uh, which looks uh, natural from from where from where the history comes from. Okay, um, but so we were able to build that that uh, that um, um, program. We will be able to start to build some kind of utopia but there was some missing point and the missing points there 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 were two, there were two of them there were one there was a, a fundamental understanding of the society which was which which was still missing and we we found i think i found i found it and the other one was a tool to push that so the the, the fundamental element that we need was um, we need to realize that our our society is deeply digital today Okay. And because it's digital, it means that what is digital is also defining us. If you if you don't have a digital footprint, if you don't have a digital existence, if you don't have a digital life today, you're out of the society and you're not human. Yeah, I mean, you are still a body and a, and a soul, but in reality, what makes you human is because you're inside a society. Yeah? We're, we're an inclusive uh, species, um, species, species. We're not a species which has individual all alone. Okay, so uh, so so today we need to realize that we have a digital life and we are already enhanced in reality. We are already digitally enhanced, even though we don't have a chip. We are enhanced, and while we are enhanced, we want to be f- as free in in a, in our news in our new uh, life, which is also digital, like we were before. We want a society where people are autonomous, are free, and can make their own choices, also digitally. So that's why 
I'm, I'm pushing for a, a change in the constitutions in Switzerland and in the rest of the world, which is that we have a right to life, which also is uh, applies to the digital life. So the digital life is recognized. And for this, there is a very specific article in, in the um, Charter of Fundamental Rights in Europe and in, in the Swiss constitution, which says that every person has the right to be protected of his physical and mental integrity. And, and, and this is important because if you're, if you're protected from your physical integrity and your mental integrity, that means that you can be a free person, a free thinking person. You know, if you go to, uh, to the city hall and you're beaten up by the local police officer, uh, you can't state your position correctly. You know, you're too afraid. So you would go home and you would cry. Uh, so, 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 so it's the same for digital. You have to, if you want to be uh, a free, autonomous person digitally, the society has to make sure that they, it respects your digital integrity. So that's why it's not normal for a state to create backdoors, to ban cryptography, to um, to surveil you, to do mass surveillance, because all of this is hurting your digital integrity as an individual, and it doesn't and it, it doesn't allow you to be free. So that's the first thing that I realized is really that. Um, we have to be a free people, and to do this, we can push a political agenda, which now people start to understand in Switzerland, because since I'm pushing this, there is, there's already three cantons, so local states, which are actively implementing this in their constitution. So in Valais, in Geneva, and now in Neuchâtel. And uh, hopefully we'll have a national initiative also to add this in the constitution. So that's that's the uh, that's the, uh, the 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 ideological tool, and the other tool that suddenly also came out, and that was specific to Switzerland, is Bitcoin. And Bitcoin, why is why is, does it goes into there in, into a crazy way? Is that Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin brings along uh, all the things which creates this new digital society, but. It packages it in a way that we can create money out of it. So it's really strange because what you, you, when you think of it, is that um, let's say you come in really from the traditional world. You know, you see someone coming uh, from the finance, traditional financial world. You see, you you know everything about your economic th theories and uh, how money is managed and everything is gravy, um, and you survived the two thousand eight crisis and you're really happy. <laughs> And suddenly someone comes and says, well, let's do Bitcoin. And then suddenly you see someone bring a project about money. And what is happening in Switzerland is that everyone understands how money is working, you know, how the markets are working. People understand, um, especially in the financial industry. Um, but then suddenly they, they have no clue why this specific money has value. They don't understand. So that's why people say it has no value. So a lot of people say it just has zero value or it will go down to zero because they have no clue of the rules which is which are behind. Um, but they know the rules which are behind the Swiss franc. They know that there's a central bank, there's a legal system, there's accountability done in a certain way. Um, there is the fact there is a network effect that they this kind of pushed by the state because you can pay your taxes with, with Swiss franc. I mean, there's... A, <clears throat> There's a lot of rules in the Swiss franc uh, market, uh, which people think they are, they are. It's granted for, you know. It's like uh, that, that's normal. And when they see something new, they 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 see it's money. They can. It smells like money. Huh? Doesn't smell. <laughs> you can use it like money. Some people accept it like money, but they have no clue how it's working. 
and um, and 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 that really puzzled people. So I spent a lot of time trying to explain that. Well, just just look at what is making value out of it, and and then suddenly they realized that what makes value, what what gives the value to Bitcoin, are a lot of things that they were afraid of before. For example, the peer-to-peer network. Peer-to-peer network has a bad uh, has a bad vibe, you know, in the society. Peer-to-peer network is where you have Tor, pedophilia, uh, is where you have like uh, file exchanges and and uh, movie exchanges, and people go to jail in lots of countries if they use peer-to-peer network. And suddenly, to create money, we use a peer-to-peer network, and. And that answers for me an important question because when I was in the streets with politics, I said, "Yeah, peer-to-peer networks, it's good," and people would say, "No, it's bad." I say, "No, no, it's it's good. You know, peer-to-peer is a is a public place for emancipation. You create culture there." And people would say, "No, it's bad." So now they don't have uh, an argument to say that peer-to-peer network is bad because now you have money which is made out of this, and out of this money you create an economy. And in Switzerland, there's already thousands of jobs, thousands, like several thousands of jobs are linked to the crypto economy. So the government can, cannot just like shut down Bitcoin in Switzerland because they would shut down the only innovative space in uh, in the in the Swiss uh, financial industry. So that was a great tool. And and it, it for cryptography, uh, I'm not a cryptographer. I'm an applied cryptographer. I know how cryptography kind of works and I know how to use it. Uh, but especially, I know how the state should not use it, you know, and 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 definitely they should not try to put backdoors. They should try. They should try to promote good cryptography, and um, and this is again the case with Bitcoin. Um, I want to see when when you have a country as a whole that realize that Bitcoin is important for their industry or the whole, and and not just Bitcoin, of course, all the cryptography with the uh, of the blockchain industry. How? They're going to react when the banks are going to, sh- all the banks who do Bitcoin now for years are going to go back to the government and say, well, now, listen, you know, your backdoors, this is actually not safe for our industry. And the whole financial system is being weakened because you try to do backdoors in, in cryptography or use bad cryptography. So so it, will, it should force, the government should be forced to use, to, to promote good crypto, uh, to protect the individuals and to have a, uh, have a safer economy. And, uh, and Bitcoin is the good tool in there. So what is interesting now is that what is happening is that the, the crypto anarchist agenda and the pirate agenda is actually, especially in the economy, is actually moving on because we show those tools and we give those uh, from time to time in interviews and in public, public hearings, or I'm also participating a lot in contribution for in consultation processes. We're giving some hints and, and, and then it became it becomes tool for them to to build in the kind of right direction the things. Yeah? So we hope it's the kind of right direction. Sometimes it's not perfect, but at least it goes in Switzerland the right direction, and um, and that's great because then people start to get a, to to have an understanding. And then that that's what I meant from the beginning is that these ideologies, these utopias, have to dive in deeply in the society and uh, and and now people start to understand that bitcoin is there to stay and it brings a certain thing numbers of things peer to peer i'm sure peer to peer is going to be seen as positive in a couple of years same as cryptography is going to be positive 
and uh, and we'll see new applications because people are less afraid of using these kind of technologies. This is blowing my mind. <laughs> it's blowing my mind. And there's one question I want to talk to you about <laughs> with your experience with uh, watching how, like you said, you were at that conference yeah. and how they reacted and how that surprised you with their reaction. And to current day, so you were talking that that was like 2003 and 2005, and here we are in 2020. Think about how far the digital economy has come, sorry, um, a social, uh, a, a, a digital society has come since then. Really, it's been strangled the whole way through. And if we just use a basic analogy of like kids' exposure to digital societies and computer programming and the internet and whatever else on a day-to-day school basis is still pretty much zero in many Western democracies, which we hold up on this pedestal of uh, like amazing first world countries and, and whatever else. Now, that's just making me think after what you said, what you experienced in 2003, 2005, is this a tool to keep this digital society from evolving in 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 your view what why isn't there a much bolder push like in in your own in your own yeah. experience so, so, like you so, you so look look at look at how um the society evolved from the printing press so the printing press is is a key uh change in technology you know which which allows suddenly I mean, it's 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 similar to Bitcoin. It's just putting different types of technology together, and then suddenly you have a new machine, which is uh, creating books. Okay, but 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 in reality, all the pieces were already existing. But but this guy has the genius to put them all together, and um, and and the first thing he does, of course, is is a is he prints out the Bible as as a, like a, a way of of. Disabilizing the the, uh, the the politics at that time, um, and from there you had a whole new economy that started to build with a new accounting system. At the same time, you have uh, uh, in, in the in the middle century you have the sec the, the two two um, two uh, two entry accounting system, which which was being formalized. Um, and let's compare it with internet. Internet came, Bitcoin came. Uh, Bitcoin is 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 a uh, three-entry uh, accounting system. It's the first innovation on, in accounting since the Middle, middle Ages. Um, and then, then it took time to spread this technology and to come into business. People were starting to use paper to sign contracts, but that takes centuries. Now, okay, so they, they didn't have the speed of internet to, to, to send uh, this, the knowledge, but still, they had to learn a lot of things. For example, they had to learn how when, once you have paper, uh, it's a great tool. But if you want to prove that you, if you want to create, use the paper to make a contract, then you need the ability to sign. And the ability to sign means that you need to have a certain level of um, reading and writing. And when you have 5% or 10% of the population in the Middle Ages which can read and write, it's very limited for the whole economy to take over. So you need generations so that 
where you come up to the 17th, 18th century. And in the 18th century, I think in France, at the beginning of the 18th century, you had like 10 or 20% who could read and write. Still limited. Switzerland was just a bit ahead, maybe 40 or 50%. And it took another uh, century. By the end of the 19th century, you come to 95% of the population who can read and write. Um, signatures, so basically it's like a Bitcoin signature, but on the, the, the handwritten signature, the one that you do yourself, um, they were starting to be used in the Middle Ages, um, but these were just uh, simple. You were just writing your first letters, you know, and they were used for key things like marriages, weddings, and that's it, you know, not, 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 not much more. And now today it became a, like a normal tool uh, in, in the society. But what happened is that generations passed, generation with the S, there are many generations, because a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the knowledge that you need to use these fundamental tools like a new medium of exchange, a new way of signing, which proves your will and, and understanding it and being, being able to, to seek for mediation or arbitration if something goes wrong, all of this is not just rules that you can set up like this and understand like this. It takes generation, and it, sometimes it takes kids to watch their parents do things and do mistakes, and it takes several iterations of it. And schools, the, the teacher can only teach up to their knowledge. So if they didn't have the parents who taught them how to do so, they will be limited. So... so uh, we are we are in a very privileged uh, um, uh, group right now where we can teach our kids how to do that. You know how to how to know what is a private key, what you should be careful about, what does it mean signature, what is a hash function, and and how do you prove things? You don't need to be mathematician, but you need to be able to feel if it's okay. You know, and 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 for my kids looking. To me and see that I go on that website and not on this website to check a Bitcoin transaction means something for them. You know, they they are learning. They're 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 not learning by me teaching them. They're learning by uh, them watching me, and, and and this takes generation. And this is how fundamental rules in the society are. Some of the fundamental rules of the society are being built. So it's normal that it do, it goes it goes slow and. Uh, but still, we have a chance. We have internet, and we have uh, uh, we have uh, uh, how you call it. Uh, uh, you have laws of the internet, which uh, goes into our favor and which are exponential. So, what took several hundred years to do to happen between uh, the, the the beginning of the printing press and and today, uh, it will be done in a very shorter uh, time span. But yes. yeah, you shouldn't uh, uh, you shouldn't think it's easy because we have a lot of open questions. For example, one one open question which people in the digital space don't realize, and really they we have a very low understanding of it. How do we make it really inclusive? Our society is made out of twenty to twenty five to thirty percent of people which are not able to participate correctly in a society, and we have tools. To, we made up tools for that in the normal society. These are called kids or people who are in a coma or people who are um, uh, tutel. I mean, these are like uh, you, you have like special. Um, they're too stupid to, to be to be um, to be able to to do their uh, to manage their own life. So they they have a system legal system to take care of them. You know, so all these people who are not capable because of their own conditions or their age 
of being of being uh, responsible in the society, we have tools. And today we think it's uh, all our it's it's a universal freedom. We should uh, you know everyone should be uh, responsible online. But in reality, if you really want to have a, a huge a society which works. Uh, for everyone, it has to include also all the uh, people who are not able to participate in the digital space. So it's quite elitist right now. And uh, it will take time to, to bring people. Uh, for kids, uh, why do we have the majority? Why, when they become 18, there is a kind of, um, a, a, there's a right, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, they becoming major and they have law, they have new, they have new responsibilities and they're, it makes sense because before they are in an education process, but today in the digital space, this education process doesn't exist. So, uh, so we have to create one, you know. Uh, and maybe in the future it will look like that uh, when I register for, um, uh, if I register someone, I mean that 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 my kid's key are linked somehow to my keys. And if my kid loses his keys, it doesn't matter because I can just regenerate his keys at will. Why not? That's a stupid example, just to show the kind of relationship we can have, you know. Um, so, so, so we need to we need to see that having the crypto econ the crypto utopia being spread out to the whole society is actually a very long game that we're going to play, and we might not see ourselves in our lifetime how it will completely pan out. Yes, and th there's one more question I want to talk talk to you about, ask you about with your experience about uh, social order. And if you, I don't know if you, you probably still have old friends and colleagues at, at the UN. Uh, and if you look back at your experience there and what's going on today with crazy amounts of governmental control going on in, in different countries around the world, all under the, the guise of, you know, it's for your own good, uh, you know, to protect yourselves against uh, this this virus what do you, what, what's your gut feel as to what's going on and could you shed any light as to to what people might actually be thinking behind the doors there I think I think one of the good great example I have one of my my best friend uh, he, he's at um, uh, he, he was for a long time at IMF so the International Monetary Fund which is kind of like one of the big enemies. In reality, they are full crazy on crypto. When I mean that, when I say this, is that um, that, that the people working there, because they, these are all highly educated, financially educated people, and uh, they live in the they live in the in the world in, in, in the world. They see they see their life from the world from a world perspective. And and they see that the, the the impact they have. So they try to do individually. They try to do a good job, you know. And the and the uh, the international money for the IMF um, uh, surely also has problems. But if you look at uh, like how the program had managed locally, they're trying to do a very uh, a good job. There there are flaws for sure, uh, and they they screwed up a lot of things. But they they tried to do a good job. And uh, and you just had to look their inter intranet, you know. Uh, it was training on Bitcoin, training on crypto, and it was the front page of the of the internet. Is like, oh, we have a new session about understanding crypto, and that's that's been happening since already two years. And and in reality, uh, behind the doors, when you when you hear uh, someone uh, like um, uh, Lagarde, who's now who's now the head of the BCE, uh, she was she she was not fully against 
uh, crypto. And and it's not it's it's more like that she she because they 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 are they are they are they are, they are blocked. So politically, she cannot say that she's pro crypto. She will not never say it because she was representing being IMF. She represents the states, and she's being fed with money from the states. So she cannot. You know, uh, and the same for now that she's at the BC, it doesn't work out to to have a pro crypto uh, approach. But in reality, um, these people also understand that the financial model that we are in right now is going to the limit. Um, so, and in the re- in the rest of the UN, I don't know. I, it's uh, so that was really specifically the IMF. The rest of the UN, I, I'm I would I would say people are trying to do their good job, but. The, the, the multilateral world right now is in big crisis, and uh, and I see the the UN having less and less role. Sadly, um, um, it's sad because because I think it I think uh, the ideal. I mean, we we from the crypto world, we will we live in a in a in a world ideal. You know, we have like an uh, we have an approach where where we all connect with all the world, and the UN has this approach. Uh, it's really embedded since the beginning. Uh, they have this approach, so, so, so they, they should be. They should have embraced it completely. Uh, this the digital uh, space, and they didn't. Uh, uh, that's a bit sad. Yeah, um, but but um, but definitely, uh, what I see is that um, that the actual governments. They, they they the only thing which is interesting right now is that for some of them, which are a bit more awake on 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 business, they they think, oh yeah, crypto is an innovative space. That creates jobs, and that we shouldn't kill too much. You know, we shouldn't we we should let that happen. Uh, but but this is where the narrative between blockchain and, and crypto and blockchain and Bitcoin is great because they can kind of like uh, uh, say they promote blockchain without the bad crypto and the bad blockchain, the bad Bitcoin. But uh, uh, but eventually that, that that will come to a to a limit, and, and the limit is very simple. And, and it's not just about crypto; it's about any type of um, uh, domain, I mean, except the ones which are really down to earth, like road infrastructure and farming and things like this. But the rest, everything which is like purely in our heads and in our digital society, um, basically all the laws which are there building right now have zero impact. So, so the reality is that that the uh, you 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 make a law which tries to uh, solve a problem. And it actually has an efficiency level of, of less than one percent, and, uh, and and we saw this. There was a report on on AML in the world and uh, on anti money laundering laws, and and the efficiency. The reality of this is that it only affects, uh, it can only effectively touch less than one percent of the of the, of the actual issues it's trying to 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 get hold of. Um, all the things about uh, regulations of the telecom network. Anything from speech to protocols to whatever you want, it only affects so little because people are. I mean, the law is trying to to solve that problem, and everyone is here, you know. And um, and, and this is also one of the reasons you have. It, it creates two things. It creates that the governments are trying to make more and more laws. So you have this explosion of laws that that, that exists since the 70s, 60s, 70s, because. Uh, it's a it's a long term process since the early digitalization, uh, the, the early networks. Um, so you have a massive amount of laws which are totally under, not uh, not understandable by anyone, and uh, and actually in, in not applicable. 
And then the and then on the other side, you have the people in general, and also the government itself. I mean, people from the government, people who make those laws, uh, which are using systems or are interacting in the place which is completely separate, and uh, and and they they think that what the others are doing are completely useless. So 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 I think there is this big gap uh, there between the the reality of the laws and. Um, uh, I mean, the the the, the way well the, where the laws are trying, what the laws are trying to solve, and then the reality of the society, and that's just still widens, it's still widening. Um, and and I just hope that the clash, because then you have when it's when there's when it goes too far apart, uh, the laws they always represent the the moral structure of the society, and they're useful usually for the people, and when they become not useful anymore. When they clash, they they they're being destroyed, and then they're readapting and recreate new rules, and so this is where I'm really a crypto anarchist in the sense that when we design those new rules, we we don't take into account the old rules, so they they shouldn't be taken into account. We should imagine the new rules, and those new rules will prevail at one point. They will prevail. Um, the problem is that when they prevail, when they start to take over, they clash with the old rules, and and the clash can be violent. So, so in, in the 18th century, that was chopping off heads. Uh, I hope that in the 21st century, it will be less violent than this. Uh, but um, but I'm, I don't know because what we see in the U.S. and in the Europe with the authoritarianism that is growing, rising is a side effect of this, where you have a, a disconnect between the social networks and the states, which are not able to uh, to 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 uh, to read from those those new types of interaction, and also to uh, uh, to make sure that um, yeah, false information and, and is not is not flowing uh, isn't flowing uh, badly for this is not affecting badly the society, and and all all this is going yeah this way. So at, at one point there will be a readjustment, which will be uh, multi- it will be a multiple of things. It will be it will be at the same. It will be hard because it will be it will be a pandemic like we have now. It will be financial uh, crisis. It will be climate change changes at the same time. It will be it will be all of this and uh, and and maybe for a final touch, which which I believe in the future because digital space is just bullshit. If if it's not helping us to live, you know, uh, digital space is just a, a mythology that we build to organize ourselves. I mean. As a human being, we shouldn't be using, we should need, we should not need digital space. It's just, it's just some place where we, where we, uh, where we have fun. And uh, at the end, what I think will happen is that, and it's going to take several centuries. I'm sorry about it. I think, but the the, the answer to climate change, for example, will come from a new reorganization that will come out of the digital space. People will reorganize itself and. They will find ways to organize it, it, themselves in a way that they can solve world-sized problem. And today, the states are not capable of solving the climate change because they are too small for the problem. And I think the people organized in a digital way, through systems like Bitcoin, they will be able to do that, to do, it, to do this. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah, there's so there's a lot of pain coming. I think everybody here listening already already knows that and is very very thankful to bitcoin to to have that kind of bastion of hope something to cling on to that we can become part of a digital global economy and society and and search out better 
options for our, for ourselves and our families. I want to talk to you about the the NIM project that uh, that you're working on. Yeah. Uh, so if you could just tell the listeners a little bit, like an overview of what that is and what what drew you to that and your your role within that. So so NIM is a project which is uh, led by uh, Harry Halpin, and he's a crypto anarchist, cypherpunk uh, from the first time for the first hours. He's a former W Truthy uh, member, and um, so so he's a he's a researcher on on, on networks and privacy. And um, basically, what we're doing, what we what they designed, and and I joined them on helping them out in for the administration and for the legal part, and and also like uh, making sure that the project is going to uh, sustain all the different attacks that they will have in the future because they will have a lot of attacks. Um, but basically, the project is trying to create a an enhancement over Tor. Let's say, uh, if we if we we're, we we we're trying to implement we're implementing the first real size mixnet, and a mixnet is an improved um, is a type of network which allows uh, a data when it when I'm when I'm sending data over the mixnet, it will lose all the identifying um, elements out of it. It will lose all the met metadata, you know. So when you receive it, you have no clue um, from where it comes from. And, and especially if if uh, if there is an observer which is looking at the at the network at that time, he will have no clue. Um, even he, if he's compromising a large part of the network, he will have no clue on who's sending a message to who. And for this, we use several techniques. We use the first one, which people know, which is very known, like in the Tor network, we use uh, uh, onions, you know, so you go from level one, two, and three with three layers of, of, of crypto, that's fine. Uh, but we also chop the packets all the same size. So all the packets, they have like 1K size right now, and, uh, and they use each, a different route. So the in Tor, you use the same route for five minutes, and and you always go through the same network. Here we use every packet get goes to another route with the three servers each, and the servers are mixing the packets. And mixing means that they are putting packets together even with dummy packets. So they're mixing packets from different users and adding some noise packets, which they all look the same, all the same size. And they are switching the packets from, uh, they're shuffling the packets like a deck of card, you know? So if I'm giving you one, two, three, if I'm sending one, two, three, four, uh, you will receive two, three, one, four. Um, and so, so you can, you, you, you're not able to make a timing attack. So the network is slowed down a bit, but, uh, but basically the observer has no way to, uh, um, to identify who is sending to who. So the only thing we will know is if you're connected to the NIM network or not. And the first use case that we want to provide is to provide a network anonymity on over uh, for blockchains. So um, for example, you're using Monero. Monero is well known that inside the Monero network. So when you're using Monero, the Monero chain, um, if you're sending a transaction and you're observing the, the blockchain itself, then you will indeed have no clue on who's sending to who. It's a bit hard. I mean, there might be some ways to um, to deconstruct, but they're pretty hard. But what is important is that if you are observing the network, then you're observing the nodes, 
and you're looking at who is sending, who is broadcasting, and who is transmitting the tra the, 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 the the information, the, the transaction, then you can have a bunch of other type of information. You can have metadata of usage, and you can find out the profile of a company who is using uh, Monero, for example, uh, by the amount of uh, transaction interaction they have with the peer-to-peer -peer network. So the idea here is that if you are broadcasting your transaction through the NIM network, well, basically, uh, an observer who's looking at the, the Monero blockchain and the Monero peer-to-peer -peer network will only see things come from uh, transaction coming from exit nodes, a bit like on, on Tor, from exit nodes, with no way to, um, to uh, go back to the original source. Um, if you're the NSA and you see information coming out from a Tor exit node, you have the means to go back. Uh, but the, the 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 idea of NIM is that it won't be able to go, go back. So the idea is this: is that to you're 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 allowing yourself to completely reduce reduce your digital footprint so that you transmit only the information that you want. And I think that's going to be critical in like protecting your know, protecting your digital integrity, your digital life. And we will see this for Bitcoin transaction. We will see this for um, messaging. So, like, uh, you're you're going to use Signal, and uh, and when you're going to send a message to Signal, the server of Signal, who's doing the uh, the connection between the different users, won't be able to know where you're from, but at least can still receive the messages. But uh, all the metadata, uh, in addition to the end-to-end -end encryption between the two users, in addition, the, by using the NIM network, they will reduce. They will have no metadata of over who's connected to the network. And uh, so in the compliance world also, like you have GDPR is coming and GDPR is pushing up the price of compliance very high. And I think we think that companies will, or EU, uh, individuals, but also mostly companies, because this is where the problem lies, uh, and, and states will try to actually minimize the amount of personal data that they collect. And they will be happy to get um, to use um, a project uh, systems like NIM because by using this, they, they, they remove a lot of, you know, you, if you don't have the IPs of your users already, uh, that reduces a lot of uh, risk of leaking, of leakage and, 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 and abuses. So this project is in our early phase. We have um, a testnet. I mean, it's already, already the, the testnet itself is already working. Uh, we have uh, today almost 700 nodes on the testnet, and, it's, uh, uh, and, and you can use it for uh, sending transaction with Electrum, for example. It, it works. Uh, using a, a Soxvice proxy on, on it, and um, and uh, and then we're going to build we're building the the system uh, from the base to the the whole, and then there will be a small blockchain that's going to be connected to it, uh, which will uh, organize a bit the um, the resource management of the nodes provider. So it will be not it will it won't be a proof of work. It will be proof of mixing, making sure that you are uh, that you mix things correctly. And uh, and basically there were there are some there are some signals that I mean some ways to that we use so that we can understand if the person is uh, node is mixing correctly and um, and yeah uh, that's uh, how I came there is that with Bitty we helped for the fundraising for the first part so then I enjoyed the uh, the project and um, and uh, and then I decided to. Um, I approached them to say, okay, let's let's. I'm helping you guys out also. So we're pushing all everything in Neuchâtel, in the local community here in Switzerland, which is a quite crypto anarchist community. It's a small but very solid community, 
and um, and uh, and and we're building things from here. Uh, so uh, and and that's coming back to history and the printing press uh, couple uh, that we were mentioning before. Uh, cities like Neuchâtel and some some of these cities, uh, we had the printing press that were printing the Bibles back in the uh, 16th century. So after the invention of Gutenberg, you know, those those cities were built, were printing the Bibles, and then we were printing all the revolutionary material was printed out of cities from Neuchâtel. So it was a kind of strange place where you had these, uh, uh, everything looks neat and everything is organized, you know, but 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 behind the, the doors, you have some real uh, anarchist and propaganda, which is being uh, prepared for the the revolution in the whole world. <laughs> and I can attest to the crypto community, the Bitcoin community that you have got going on there, because we were there in August, as I t- as I told you, and I put out a tweet. We were staying on Lac Le Mans, and I put out a tweet. Any Bitcoiners around would love to meet up for a beer. And a lovely young couple answered the call, and they met my wife and I. I won't dox them, but pure, pure Bitcoiners from very, very close by worked in Neuchâtel, and uh, we just had the I best think, night. They, they, they were very, very generous. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> they, they organize a conference. They're, they're a famous org- conference organizer. No, 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 no. No, no, they, no, no, really? no okay. definitely not. No, not, no. These, because uh, we have a know, couple of uh, fam in uh, famous uh, in, in Neuchâtel, uh, not much, but we, there, there's a few ones indeed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so, no, so it, very... it's funny because also we, we, we meet, you know, there's a there's a good committee for beers. So we go and every month we have a, a beer-to-beer session. So it's not a peer-to-peer, but it's a beer-to-beer session. And um, and actually the government is there also, you know. So like the guy from the state, there's the, there a guy from the business um, uh, department and, and he's paying for beer. I mean, actually, yeah. I should, maybe I shouldn't say this uh, loudly in, in the podcast, but it's it's actually the the it's a government sponsored uh, uh, meetup, Bitcoin meetup, where the, where the first round is always ba- paid by the state. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so to show you that the community is strong, you know, and and we, I'll have we, we the yard of ale, uh, please. We created a good community <laughs> where where the where all the, the the traditional actors like the local bank, the state bank is. They're providing bank accounts for crypto companies since 2014. Mm-hmm. They, they, I mean, they had a bit of a problem, but we managed to throughout the work with the government and the and the, the local community and the lawyers and uh, it's it's so it's small enough that people can 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 talk and we can convince people and that worked out and they understood. And it's also a place where uh, it, as I said, it has historical. Uh, it has some history, and they can relate on that, you know, uh, because the 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 banks which are, which are involved there they are also built in the beginning of 19th century, and that was those moments, you know, like in 1815, those banks were 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 in the middle of the revolution of the beginning of the financial world. They were creating new types of companies, you know, the 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 LT the limited companies were created at that time, like we are creating DAOs, a new form of organization today. They were creating a crazy organization at that time. So uh, those Swiss banks, they can relate somehow to that moment and to today. And, uh, and now, now that after a good discussion, uh, the, this, the community, especially in Neuchâtel, uh, is, is, uh, is really, really uh, well-connected and, and striving. That's great to hear. And you're convinced that yeah. many Bitcoiners <laughs> are going to get pulled to, to join you guys over in Switzerland. 
Yeah, I mean, because we see it. I mean, uh, we see it. Uh, there is a lot of uh, people who are moving to Switzerland uh, still now because uh, you can do business in Switzerland. You can create your company. Um, uh, and, and even if you, like I told you, uh, even if you don't find a bank to, to, uh, to open an account for you because you're like a foreigner coming to Switzerland. Um, and, well, you can create your company with Bitcoin, you know. Uh, you can create, you can actually use Bitcoin to register at the business registry. And it says uh, the capital is brought in an amount in Bitcoin or in Ether. Uh, taxation is not a problem. You, you, your your taxes, taxes, taxation has been solved since 2014. So if you go to the tax office and you say, I have Bitcoin, no problem. You just state the amount and that's fine. So it creates an environment where, where if you're a Bitcoiner, you're not seen as someone, someone weird. And you can actually set up your business and do stuff. And uh, and and I think because in the Bitcoin community, most of the people are really active. I mean, we see people, uh, the, the, the Swiss community is made out of few celebrities in the Bitcoin world. If you go to Zurich, I'm sorry, I mean, you, some of them, I mean, you have uh, people from, from all over Europe that or the world that came to, uh, to the region um, because... They could do stuff and they were not welcome anymore in their own country. And sometimes it was even bad. You know, if I'm looking at Spain with Catalonia, uh, some people, I consider them as refugee and they're building the crypto project in uh, Zurich right now with uh, in mind the crypto revolution of Catalonia. So it's really uh, it's really interesting place. Yeah, that's a melting pot. And I love the country. I really do. So... Alex, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Alexis, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, if we're going to be informal, I'll call you Alex. Uh, yeah, we, no I always ask the same question at the end of each show. So if you, had, if you had one red pill, if you had one red pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? <sighs> yeah, yeah, you heard I, 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 You asked that question on the other show, Anna, and... and and I thought to myself that is very, very hard. Um, I mean, I, I'm really happy because I think I already gave uh, two red pills to my kids, and that, that was great. And I think that was good. that was good. So I would give it to a kid, um, and and um, and uh, I think I think I'm in a position right now which which uh, is good because we can give enough red pills to uh, to a lot of kids. Uh, not enough. I, I would give more, but I, I would give it to a kid, just random kid. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really, really excellent. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for, for sharing everything that you've shared today. Uh, we'll probably have to do another show another time because <laughs> I know there's so many more, so many more unanswered uh, questions that I want to ask you. So sure. thanks so much for your time. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Thank you, Rose. I also enjoyed it. Hey guys, thank you for listening. And thanks again, Alexis, for coming on and sharing all of that information. So much to unpack. Really incredible backstory and experience and the work that's being done on the legal side of things and the regulation side of things and trying to make these 
non-invasive, as non-invasive as possible to to Bitcoin and to privacy, which is such a hugely important aspect of not just Bitcoin, but our daily lives. And listening towards the end there, listening about the NIM project, that's N-Y-M NIM project that uh, is being worked on, which sounds like a bit of an upgrade to uh, the Tor project or th- the same kind of idea, but with better privacy, sounds like something we need. At one point, will we be able to just surf whatever we want on the internet without anyone snooping on us? Send emails to each other without anyone snooping or you know going on uh, a saved data server somewhere? And will we be able to communicate with each other in the form of monetary transactions, i.e. Bitcoin? across the network in a private manner between two people that have found uh, a need for each other and a good or a service that one is providing and, and one needs. What a utopia. It sounds crazy, right? I mean, why, why on earth isn't that available? Like, when, when did all of that start getting stripped away from us and absolutely everything we ever did or ever want to do gets monitored? or gets predicted what our behavior and our spending behaviors are going to become. So very uh, very bullish on on everything that Alexis was talking about there and, and the things that he's working on. And just great to, to have him on side and pushing these kind of things and having these conversations and making people aware of them and trying to put procedures in place to, to push society forward. So thanks again, Alexis, for coming on. Really brilliant. Enjoyed the conversation. We could have gone on for many, many more hours. I'm sure there'll be a round two in there somewhere. All the best of luck with your projects. And uh, yeah, please go follow Alexis on Twitter. Reach out. He's, uh, he's always on there looking to interact and, and help as many people as possible. So before we sign off, the usual shout out for coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten. Go start stacking some sats. Go check out the website, guys, once-bitten.com. And thanks at Jim Reaper for putting that together. Really appreciate you taking on that project and and putting your hand up to do it. That was just amazing. This this space keeps just coming alive. And here we are in 2020. We've got so many new people coming in. If If you're class of 2020 and you're listening, welcome to the team, guys. Great to have you here. Really hope you're you're enjoying your your journey so far. You guys are on the rocket ship down the rabbit hole. You've got so much great content to, to dig into. Really hope that um, you're getting up to speed as, as quick as possible and getting ready for this bull run. It's going to be an amazing ride for you. Uh, swanbitcoin.com forward slash once bitten. If you're in the US, go check them out. You'll get free 10 bucks if you start stacking stats with those guys. But more importantly, before you do that, check out their education tabs. Go look at the books that they are releasing and the the blog posts and articles. They've got uh, the best team out there and they're all Bitcoiners and they're all there to help you along your journey. And uh, as always, thanks to at Adam Woodham's one for putting this together and at Hodler the Now for the music in the background and everything that's going on over at 21ism. A new site is being launched, a Bitcoin Art Collective. It's going to be cool, guys. Make sure you go check it out. I look forward to the next show. Thank you for supporting it. Thank you for sharing, liking, tweeting, commenting, 
rating, reviewing, whatever it is you do, whatever you do to help spread the word of this. I appreciate it. Look forward to the next one. Take care.